So it's uh, training and practice. Mm. It's both about the content of our bodies, our minds, our experience. And also it's about the container. It's the sense of handling it. Mm. These two go together. Like the stream forms the shapes the land and the land shapes the stream. The stream as it moves over the land cuts and shapes the land. And the land, depending on its toughness or softness, shapes and directs the stream. They work together. And similarly the content encouraging content of Silence, quietness, gentleness, mm. care, being looked after, mm. pragmatic, kindness, being offered food, shelter, looked after, mm. tended to, and uh, the content is pro- that's actually just provided. Mm teachings and so forth then bringing up your own um, material such as your your quality of virtue and brightening it up and your quality of integrity brightening it up quality of concern for your fellow retreatants you to be as quiet and non-intrusive as you can because naturally we get quite sensitive on these sessions so move around quietly Close doors quietly, you know, um, to keep you in the hall, moderate your movements, but it's not to be edgy, it's just that of sense of pragmatic kindness and concern. So we're starting to generate a particular, you know, qualitative content, which is not really so much sights and sounds, they're part of it, but particularly tone. I keep referring to this term, the tonality of our experience. Would you say the tonality is, is rough? I would say, no, it's not rough, it's smooth. Smooth tonality, the softness of the days. You know, even the, even the endings of the sittings are kind of like ringing the bell quietly and giving you time to move into that. It's not, get out and go, bang, shoot. <laughs> get out of here. The next city. It's kind of like we're rising, waking up into this, and feeling where we're going to go, and so forth. You know, moving along at a reasonable pace, and just being present. The tone is is soft, and, and it's also a bright tone, bringing up chanting, and you know, encouraging the body energies to brighten up with supportive body work and things like qigong and opening the body up to breathing. Mm. So we're not doing weightlifting or or you know, limbo dancing or something. <laughs> it's kind of soft and it's brightening in a, in a in a conducive way, not in a dazzling. You know, it's quite restrained. Mm. It's just filling one's turning to that tonal sign 
you can certainly, it's certainly there. And I do remind you again that the chitta immediately follows the tone. It attunes to it. So of course you've got to turn to it. It will follow, it follows tonalities. These are perceptions, felt meanings. They have a certain resonance to them. The chitta immediately picks that up. Yeah. So somewhere where there's a lot of shouting, your jitter appears alarmed and tense. Yeah. Or if you're clanking round and you feel on edge. If you're snapping out orders and you feel jumpy. You know. If you've been official you feel cold and nervous. Yeah. But here we're not. Yeah. Trying to put aside any of those Attitudes which may may bring it, we may bring in. You may get the feeling, I've got to be there. And I've got to make sure I'm there five to seven so I can be there. Well, you come. No, you don't. It'd be nice if you were there, but you know, it's just get the tone right. That's the most important thing. Not to get on edge about it all. <laughs> Have I been respectful enough? Uh, you know, like. What does the respect mean, you know? Sense of spaciousness and, you know, <laughs> honouring, that's enough. Yeah. Well, it's not impervious to these gestures, so I can recognise, you know, I don't have to get too formal about it all. It's a sense of just, uh, we're fellow humans, that's the most important sign to touch into. We're well-meaning human beings with aspirations and brightness and probably some gritty, knotty stuff that we all recognise, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's, so we're, um, you're, not really, you're not much up, not to scratch as a meditator coming those stupid thoughts, you know. <laughs> uh, something a little more... You know, the tonality, and you're just looking at the external signs of soft lights, gentle lighting, you know, uh, fragrances, tonalities like that. That's to, to try to keep reminding your mind to pick up those and internalize that atmosphere. Because we can often live in very bleak internal atmospheres of judgment and compulsion and obligation and fear that somebody else might not like what we're doing or perhaps we haven't looked as good as we should do this kind of like, who's saying all that you know probably at one time some people did say that <laughs> or things of that nature that gave you that tone of you know you've got to be like this you're not you're a dirty scruffy messy disrespectful lout <laughs> whatever you know, nobody's like you if you keep dressing like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, kind of intimidation. And those are powerful, you know, we're very re- receptive to these um, human energies, so we carry some of that, and it sort of sits behind us, thinking, you know, it's still there. Still got one of these inner critics wagging a finger at you all the time. And, and we don't really obey, exactly, we cower, but well, we don't get a feeling of following. Following is like a natural quality where your just heart opens and you flow along with. 
It's different from obedience. Obedience, you frog marched, yeah. You, but following is different. It means you, your heart opens and you flow that way because the heart picks up something that's worth following. And it's worth, the heart really enjoys that gentleness and that tenderness and that sensitivity and the care and the forgiveness and the compassion. It likes those tones. So it naturally follows it. This is what it wants. And so often, really, really needed. Absolutely. Really, really needed in a kind of business world and, a, and a corruptions and crime and lies and da-da-da-da-da. People not listening to each other and stuff like that. You really want to drink in that tone and internalize that. So at least in your own mind you've got a place to go which is you know can provide you with not just content like ideas but a content which is a tonal content you know this is what refuge means it's quite notable that uh, you know in the Buddha's life himself he'd been you know he was an aspirant and he'd been training under various teachers to develop different meditative, contemplative states, meditative states, he got to some pretty far out places in, in, his, in his practice, some pretty way far out places that we can't really even conceive of, but really, really deep or refined states. We always came back to this, and he had this, had this attitude of a kind of punitive attitude to get out of the body, get out of existence, you know, get out of this physical mess which is bound up with sickness and death in India very apparently you can see it you look around that's where you see dead bodies actually and things rotting particularly in that day yeah. when I was in India you could you could actually see it you'd see dead things on the street people just walking around it <laughs> and people with no legs and no arms and people just okay throw a few paisa in and, you know, a, a dead body being carted. I never saw a dead body before when I was in India, actually seeing a corpse being carried along on a bier behind a horse's, this kind of dead hand dragging out the back of a cart you think, and the smell. Well, <laughs> you know, in your face, all right. <laughs> you, know, you could get the, the unmistakable odour of dead, dead body. It's going right down the street, you're looking at it. There's a kind of emaciated hand hanging out the back of it. Right. Yep. Looks a bit like mine. <laughs> so, you know, in that kind of atmosphere, the sense is just to get out of here. Uh, and then, yeah, that's understandable. Understandable. You want to go somewhere else where this doesn't happen. There isn't. Not on the physical level, there isn't. So you want to go to some other place, get out. Yeah, understandable, but it isn't quite like that. Mm. He was saying, just remembering the time when he was a little boy sitting under a tree in the shade, hot Indian summer, seeing the shade feeling cool. And his father nearby, ploughing, so feeling safe and cool. 
remembered that occasion. It's oh, just such a nice tone, safe, cool, you know, still. Going to that. When I turn my attention to that, the mind is not fraught, it's not distressed, it's not craving, it's not passionate. I just dwell in that. I'm feeling that, I can feel my breathing, natural breathing in and out. Maybe this is the way. Follow that. How did he know that? He didn't. But that intuitive sense of you follow the tone, because because that's what you do. The heart does that. And take you into this uh, profound meditative states where, you know, that tone became extremely strong, deep, absorptive tones, perceptions. So then the the aim of it, eventually, is that that reshapes your your mind. You're no longer hungry, desperate, agitated, or even thinking about what you should or shouldn't experience or where this fits in. You're just feeling steady. And that particular practices like that the tonality gets the mind to open and steady and stop, you know, muttering and, and tangling itself up. And that's what it's for. And then when the mind isn't tangled up with its doubts and worries and dread and business stuff, it requires a certain simple, lucid um, frame. You know, the content has shaped the mind. Mind is now open, steady, fit, and then for liberation, it's saying whatever content flows through the mind, the mind does not grasp it or reject it. It stays open and steady. It doesn't sh- waver and shake and grasp or long or expect or try to accumulate something. This steady abiding he said this steady abiding this is your refuge this steady abiding and all of your life can pass through that naturally your physical life changes, passes away but that steadiness remains and we're not caught it's important to even just you know, run through that content which is not so much information though information may generate it may uh, pick up something that makes us more you know attentive or vigilant that kind of sharpening of tonalities we're not foggy we're clear something that softens encourages us Personally, I think that in this day and age, we generally need a lot of that warming effect, uh, uh, the gentleness and the soft and the bright, because uh, we're often presented with pretty bleak, hard and uh, uncaring uh, perspectives. So this, but that shape gives a shape to the mind. The mind is no longer so ragged and tense and fraught. And it begins to become steady. 
called sati, mindfulness. We allow phenomena to pass through. We're witnessing. What is it that causes me, my mind to shake and contract? And could I witness that and look into that? Yeah. The rising and passing of that. Reflect and notice the tone, how the tone sharpens up as I resist something, passes through and then it's gone. Go into the silence at the end of experience, the end of the sound, the end of the thought. So if you're keeping that sense of open, firm openness, you can hear that, you can notice that. It's when your mind bangs shut on something, you don't notice. So when it closes on something, experience, then... We don't notice the end of the experience as something peaceful and opening. We notice that something's gone. Oh, it's gone. Oh, pity, that was nice. It hasn't gone. The silence is there. It could be there if you stayed open to it, to the passing through. Now that one created quite a ripple. And now, stay, stay, stay. Tone, stay in the tonality of gentleness, openness, firm. And you notice the ripple effect shimmers through. Passes. This is uh, sometimes called practice of insight or direct witnessing phenomena whereby we're actually not, at that particular time, emphasizing generating more content, even in terms of you know, deeper, richer tonalities, saying if it's, you know, it's the good enough. Uh, so the content, to remind you, is not an idea or thought, it's a particular, called a perception or a tone, which is generally somewhat luminous, bright, quiet, Warm. Yeah, these are these are the qualities that these heart tones have. And you stay with that, but then with insight, you, you've kind of got enough of that. You could you could try and get more, but it's good enough to be able to stay steady while a phenomena bubbles through. And this is where a lot of the learning comes from, because you see your mind going to this little tangles and jitters and then you want to get on top of it and say stop it, stop it, stop it and we'll try and figure it out if I think about it a bit more I'll get to the answer what I'm going to do about that situation I just need to think it through and it's tangle, 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 tangle I'll think it through and I'll situation. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go figure that out and I'll do that ok, when I get off retreat I do, you go off retreat, the situation's changed oh, you went through all that tangle <laughs> to deal with a situation that by, by the time you got off retreat and dealt with it wasn't there anymore <laughs> booby trap right <laughs> and you did it <laughs> or something did it yeah <laughs> and what did it of course is is uh, not you personally it's particular energy <laughs> uh, particular form a particular mental trait 
craving to be something, craving to get things sorted, craving to be, you know, get your life clear, craving for some content, you know, some thing. You could be on now, well, I've got that, then I'll be all finished and relaxed. And so just sort that out and I'll be all finished and relaxed. I just want to be, I want to be all finished and relaxed. So I'll just do this and I'll be all finished and relaxed. <laughs> I'll just do this and then I'll be, but I've got to deal with that first. I'll just, well, mind you, that doesn't work. I'll deal with that. And, and I'll just be, wait a minute, I can't quite, I'm not relaxed, I'm getting tangled up with this thing I'm trying to do in order to get finished and relaxed. What about if I just got finished and relaxed right now and said forget it? <laughs> the quick way. I say, well, you can't do that. You can't go through the rest of your life not dealing with your duty. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not saying the rest of my life. I'm just saying like ten minutes. <laughs> just to get some perspective on on those compulsive energies that we have to do things, to make things, to stop things, to change things, to sort things, to figure things. Often, with a good intention, you know. We're not necessarily planning murder. <laughs> Occasionally you feel like doing that. You know. Somebody bangs the door in the middle of the night, you get <laughs> Shoot him. But no, we generally don't plan such things, but you're generally planning how to make your life better. Essentially. Or make other people happier. That's a lovely idea. Yeah. <laughs> and you think you know what will make people happy, don't you? <laughs> so, I've done this one myself. <laughs> Why doesn't she... I was trying to make her happy. Why is she so upset? Because <laughs> I had my idea of what I thought she would like, and it wasn't what she wanted at all. <laughs> and she didn't want some man telling her what she should feel. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> you know, those kind of things happen. You know, what you need to do, you know, Get your man sorted out, it's nice and tidy, it'll be good for him. But he doesn't want to be nice and tidy. He wants to be sloppy. It'd be really good for you, you know, if you did this and exercise properly and stop smoking, you'd be all right. Go down to the end of the garden and have a quiet cigarette. <laughs> Isn't it like that? You think, oh dear. How do you deal with it, you know? Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to just say, well, this is what equanimity is about. You just get in that quality of you know, steady tone, concern for someone's welfare. So, okay, it's this and it's that. If you notice, I see this and that, it seems to lead to that. Do you notice that? You can keep doing it if you wish. But since I have love and respect for you, I just think you maybe you should look at that and see where that goes. That's all. Your life, your choice. You know, you're kind of maintaining firmness, openness, relationship. But you're not pressing, and you're not scolding, you're not blaming, you're just trying to speak the truth from where you're at. Yeah. And you don't lose your, your sense of 
you know, holding the situation respectfully and carefully. Mm-hmm. These, are, these have then become very practical skills when we're developing. To not keep, you know, adding one's own psychological content, one's own psychological attitudes to to experience uh, what's happening. I'd like it to be like this, but it doesn't look like it's going to be like this. Then I'll just keep my peace with this. Now then we sort of, you find often that in those that process you find that often the disturbing qualities shift by themselves and you've kept that important frame the important ability to hold a situation without getting you know pushy or rattled or despondent whatever is that I'm open I'm firm I wish well but that's that's where I stay. I can stay there. Otherwise, I'm going to go running around trying to sort everything else out, and I end up people still misunderstand what I'm doing. Get you know, she can't tell me he shouldn't be this way. Why does he do that? You know, I've done this kind of thing myself, and you start to feel disappointed. Sometimes it's that sense of, you know, the most important thing we can do for everyone, including ourselves, is maintain firm centre and open heart. See what seems possible within that. It would be nice if the world and people and everything was going along smooth and sweet, but likelihood is it won't. Now we could either get frustrated or get frantic or get despondent or we could just maintain our peace, openness and see if what's possible. This is called Bhava Tanha, which is the, the wish, the urge to, to search for a, a final solution or a final complete result in which I feel, you know, I'm okay and everything's good. And actually it doesn't work. What works is to be able to hold situations one's own body mind and the life around you in a frame of reference that is firm, open, compassionate, allows things to change. And it does give guide to good results. So the philosophy of the arms bowl, you know, when you go to receive food you just have a container. So you just put in what you would like, what you feel you would like to offer. And say, what would you like? I'd like you to put in what you feel you'd really like to offer. What's that? It's up to you. Because I want there to be a sense of happiness and comfort between us. That's what I really want. This other stuff just, yeah, good, but come on, go main thing is that we enter into a relationship, I'm respectful of your giving, you know, I don't ask for a lot, I'm very pleased, I'm very happy of your giving, 
and I want you to feel free to give rather than he wants this, he wants that, have I got it right, do I do this, have I got it? No, just, just, just give, be the giving. And then we hit that register of giving and receiving and a beautiful tone of, of love and respect is sustained and it's nourishing. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. Because then I can linger in that. I can stay with that. And that's been a tremendous, uh, you know, quality. Certainly, in my practice as a, as a Buddhist monk, we're not hitting the high spots in your meditation at all, really. For quite a while, it's hitting the low spots and struggling and just bearing with it and pushing through and you cry, this is a grind, you know. I, I started, I came off more or less off the street, you know, one meditation class, 15 minutes, recognizing I'm a complete wreck, better get somewhere and get some myself, you know, somewhere where I kind of, people will get hold of me a bit and give me some, some, some spiritual training. And, and then, of course, you just thought all this crazy stuff going on, you pain, memories, fantasies, dark stuff. It's worse. You know, and then you go out on the street every morning with your bowl, just feeling pretty ragged, and people. You know, people get up, spoonful of rice. You know, some old lady gets up, she sort of just pulls herself together, comes over, puts a spoonful of rice in with don't know if, don't know, and you walk along the street, some guy with a tatty pair of jeans and a pair of broken down flip-flops on comes over and puts a spoonful of rice in your body. Wow. You know, you go through a town like that, you know, and you had 40 or 50 people doing things like that, somebody puts a little banana in or, anyway, you just go, I haven't got, I haven't got a big enough heart to put all this generosity in, you know, I just, this is blowing me out away. Like, you know, like, I just don't have a place to put all this amount of, I mean, the food is, yeah, but the giving. Right. Well, you've got to keep going. You've got to rise up for that. Because of the, the quality, tone, you know, the quality of just, we want to help you. You know, taking that in food is pretty indifferent really but that's what sustains you you pick that up and go, come on you know it's no time to be cheap come on rise up come on you know, be worthy best you can and asking for any results and asking you to give a report on your practice they're just saying you know there's that and you rise and it holds you up and you go, okay and you keep going. And it's kind of like things like that, you know, kept, certainly kept me going for, for years. And the compassion and the kindness and the acceptance of teachers and fellow monks and so forth. You think, you know, you don't feel great, but you're just constantly presented with that. And your mind eventually is able to be full of that so that it begins to expand into something more magnanimous 
and gracious and generous towards yourself <laughs> you know rather than constantly slapping yourself around or being dejected just okay you know this is what happens when you're 25 years old and you're plugged into the <laughs> the crazy youth culture of the tw- 20th century this is the result right get it <laughs> okay that's what happens you know, when you plug into that, that's what you get. Okay, no, no more judgment needed. That's the result. Now you just got to sit with it, and sit with it. And after about three or four months, eventually the music stopped in my head. It took about three or four months for the non-stop rock music to stop. <laughs> I played every record I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Every, it went through over and over again. God's sake, where's the off switch on this? Shut up! And it wouldn't. And after about three or four months of that, it stopped. <laughs> Just wearing out, you know. And all the kind of what was wrong with her? All the kind of broken romances, you know. What was wrong with that? Oh, she let me down. I let her down. It was my fault. It was her fault. Oh, God, how long does this go on for? <laughs> Just hold it, hold it. Eventually, just oh well, forgiveness, compassion. <laughs> We're all crazy, you know. <laughs> okay, into that one, you know. <laughs> and so, really, you know, what's the content going to be? Well, a lot of the time, it's just kind of not very pleasant thoughts and memories, and you know, stuff that's flooding through from the news and things like that. And you just, you know, that's not the aim. It's to, just the aim is to hold. Gently, steadily, and eventually it will pass, pass through, pass through. And because you haven't put in aggression, you haven't put in blaming, criticizing, or maybe you have, but you begin to release that, the space begins to do the work. And you realize rather humbly, I can't do this, I can't do this, but the space can. If I can create enough of a receptacle to allow some space into my mind that does it you know and it's kind of humbling and it's wonderful and it's uh, miraculous because you know how do you create space you create space by not filling it up with your strategies and your histories and your struggling and your criticisms and your fantasies you just keep restraining, refraining. Eventually, the space creeps in and does the work on on what you can't do. And the beautiful thing is, there's no claim. It's not like I conquered all. Oh. <laughs> I didn't conquer anything. <laughs> I just hung in and kept kept the, a reasonable standard and the, the space or the dhamma or whatever you want to call it. You know, that, that just started to eat away all this stuff and eventually just wow. mm-hmm. yeah. Because most of our life we're looking for content. We are we are the experience of looking for an experience that we haven't had yet. This is what's called bhava, becoming, being the experience 
of searching for an experience that we haven't had yet or isn't here right now with the feeling that once I have that experience I'll be alright but because that theme searching for an experience I haven't got yet or haven't arisen yet or isn't here now that continues to set the theme so you get to this level you think that's pretty nice but I wonder if I could a little bit longer a little bit more is it this or is it that I want to label this or photograph it memorize it write it down what I've had I got there you know I had some of these great stuff you know it's that searching for an experience that that's not self that's that's a program called becoming searching for an experience that you haven't that isn't here now well of course that's what we should be doing isn't it uh, not really you know, to a limited extent you kind of moderate your experience the flow of it like doing things like sense restraint and so forth and, but that, there's a point in which that's get the tone you can be left with the tone of that and then just, how does your mind frame up around that so you don't just start getting obsessive, compulsive, defensive greedy generosity steadiness and there it is you know maintaining that it's easy to overlook it the Buddha said this this that I've realized is subtle it's not easy to see when the world people's minds are blinded with craving and longing to be something they overlook this they don't see something that's you know is it's not about the content it's about the ability to contain and not be shaken by experience. I remember this interesting uh, story. <laughs> it's rather poignant. And it was concerning as one of the, I don't know if you ever heard of this uh, sage or some things that was a trickster called Carlos Castan, Castaneda, who wrote books in the uh, in the 60s and 70s uh, yeah. which I remember reading with great delight and absorption wow you know, amazing things this guy's doing all these incredible psychedelic things and mystical voices and spirit presences wow fantastic you know must be great and one of his stories was that he, he was uh, you know he'd been sent on a mission by one of his sorcerers to go and go, you need to go to Taos, New Mexico. You go there. Well, I go there. Just go there. Why? You just do it. Okay. Goes to town. Then you've got to get a job. So he goes. He goes to the restaurant. Says, "I want a job." Okay. What can you do? Can you do eggs? Yeah, I can do eggs. Okay. You're a short order cook. Doesn't what he's supposed to do there. So he's making eggs. Short order cook. And he's doing his stuff there. And there's this uh, other oh, girl who works with him. She says, "Oh, you know." He's got a, he's got a, um, he uses a fake um, name, calls himself Miguel or something like that, because he looks a bit Spanish, so he calls himself Miguel. She says, oh, you know, I've heard a rumour that Carlos Castaneda's in town. I'd really love to meet Carlos Castaneda. He says, 
well, maybe you'll meet him one day, you know. <laughs> maybe, you know. Say, oh, I'd love to see him, he's, he's, he's really fantastic, I'd really love to see this man, I'd love to get to know him. He says, well, you know, it could happen, you never know. And uh, so one day, as they're working together, and she's going on about how she really would love to meet Carlos Castaneda, this car pulls up, and there's this guy sitting in the car with the Mexican, you know, the moustache, the Stetson, the leather boots, the whole kit, you know, looking, this is the real Mexican, you know, cowboy hombre look. And they think, that must be him, it's Carlos Castaneda. So she rushes out to meet this man of her dreams. He looks at her, yeah. Turns up, which one thinks drives off. <laughs> and she's heartbroken. Oh no, it's Carlos Castaneda, he's rejected me. So the real Carlos Castaneda gets hold of him, gives her a hug, and says, you're all right. You're all right, you'll be okay, you're perfect exactly as you are. And she doesn't realise <laughs> that the person she most wanted to meet is right there, <laughs> holding <laughs> You know? <laughs> and this is rather like, <laughs> to rewind it, <laughs> the piece that we were looking for <laughs> was right here if we learn to actually embrace our struggle and our craving and our whimpering and our disappointment with a mind of compassion and a mind of goodwill a mind of, oh yeah it's not, not you, you know that's not you it's just the way you've been conditioned, you know it's just the program it's bear up, stay with it I'll hold you steadily hold you steadily and you can see that phenomenon roll don't do anything about it let it roll through you know this? this is the way in which the tightly wound tangles of our mental psychologies begin to unravel we may have tried to pick away at the knot we may have tried to hack through it but this is the kind of the generous space that allows these tangled psychologies to unravel and no comment, <coughs> no analysis, just all you need to do is let it unravel. Nobody's going to say you shouldn't have been this way or that way, just let it unravel. This is how the only way that this thing can properly, uh, tangles can properly unravel. But of course, in that process, you have to learn the etiquette, the protocol of how you relate to, you know, the tangles, uh, the, the, the inner um, programming of the mind. You know. And there are particular uh, places or features in that that you, you recommended to be very suspicious of, <laughs> pretty suspicious, but alert to. One of these references is called other people. So, other people, meaning she wants me to do this, they expect me to do that. He never does that. It's, it, everybody wants this. Who's that? Who, who are these other people that are right now in your mind telling you things? 
what's the tone? Obligation, you know, need, uh, blaming. They're not people, they're particular energies, right? They're energies that are pushing or tangling you, tangling your heart. You should do this, you know, you shouldn't be that, you should be this. I want you to be this, you're not enough of that. And it's kind of, be careful what, you know, clearly there are other human beings around, but they're not in here. Yeah. How many people live inside you? And when they start talking, what do they do to you? Generally put some pressure on, don't they? other people. So I remember one time I was actually in, in South Africa, which I've always had very pleasant experiences of. <laughs> you may be surprised at this. I always feel South Africa rather kind of delightful, ambrosial place. Because <laughs> always have such a nice time. <laughs> For you it's probably not. <laughs> Well, I think I was down in Nature's Valley, which is an exceptionally lovely place, and some people are taking me there saying, oh, John, you just need a rest, you just need some spare space. We want to just, look, you don't have to look, we'll just give you some food, and you do what you like. We don't want you to teach us, look after us, whatever, you do your thing, we're happy. I felt, I don't know how to relate to that, because I've been clucking around, mothering people and sorting people out for years, and I was the spasming of what I'm supposed to do. He <laughs> said, so just relax. Relax? What do you mean relax? <laughs> so I remember I was kind of, there was a big kind of lagoon there, a uh, lovely lagoon, and there's nobody around, a quiet, peaceful lagoon, just a couple of egrets or something, you know, and it gave me this, this kind of like this polystyrene board you could float on in the lagoon. This feels a bit naughty, really. I should be doing something important. I should be meditating or studying or sorting something out or managing. They give me this kind of, you know, this polystyrene thing to float on in the water. <laughs> I don't know how to do it, you know. So, just, so I thought, well, I'll just try. So I got on this, on this kind of polystyrene thing, raft in the water, and I was lying. Oh, this is rather nice, isn't it? I should be doing something. I should be doing something. I should be doing something. Nobody wants you to do anything. There's nobody around. <laughs> asking you to do anything. There's this kind of jittering. I should be doing something. I should be doing. You know. I've been here five minutes. That's enough. <laughs> Just again. And all these people in my mind saying, "This isn't the proper thing to be. You should be properly doing something important, useful, necessary for Buddhism." And this isn't. Eventually, look. So I said to these people, "Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you, people in my head. I'm terribly sorry to disappoint you." I may be a complete failure, but right now I've just got to do it like this. <laughs> and they went, uh, oh, 
<laughs> they disappear. <laughs> and I was lying on this balsa, on this polystyrene in this garden. Oh. I think this is what I became a monk for, wasn't it? Just to be in this open, spacious, peaceful state. <laughs> I took this lot. <laughs> Because the content, you know, the other other people content, and actually there was nobody else there. Just all this inheritance of responsibility and duty and trying to live up to something. You know? Wow. You know, how how is that the only program you've got? <laughs> is that the only program you you can run? That one, you'll be running forever, and you'll never get to the end of it. You'll never get to the end of it because there'll always be something in your head saying, but a little bit, you should do this one, make sure that's going. Where does this end? It's got to end. So that one, watch out for that one. Of course, the other one is called myself. Who can create quite a uh, disturbance, myself. Well, I don't think that's not right. I don't see why people should behave to me like that. I don't see why I should have to do that. I didn't come here to do this anyway. They said, just watch your breath, breathing it out. That's what I'm supposed to do as a Buddhist monk. You didn't have to go around sweeping floors. I don't see the point of going to these silly ceremonies anyway. When people come and want their babies blessed, that's their point. Why don't they ask me about it? I mean, I think that's. Whoa! <laughs> You know, because there's certain things you do, myself, and then it's kind of indignant, righteous, and then it's kind of like, oh, I can't really make it anyway, I'm never going to make it, I can't even get into samadhi, I'm useless and failure, and I'm failure, and I've wasted my entire life, and so poor me, woo, okay, let's hold that one, (laughs) you know, just hold that one with all his verdicts. You know it's possible, you can't possibly meditate because you took too many drugs when you were 16 years old, so you're a complete basket case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold that one. <laughs> right? And that, that agitation thought. It sounds like agitation and worry and, and self-criticism. Certainly it was not a wise thing to do, but that's what everybody did. Okay? Now it's now it's the time to let the karma play. Don't call it yourself. It's a program. Self-definition. I want to be seen as this. Why don't people understand me? I want them to see me exactly as I am. Well, actually, I don't know what I am either anyway. <laughs> but I want to be seen in this particular way so that people understand me, don't misunderstand me. You know, don't complain about me. Uh, get clearly what I'm saying. You know, then I'll be all right. <laughs> in other words, the rest of the world, I would like you to really cooperate in, you know, keeping me in a good space. If you could all put some attention, and effort into that, that'd be the right thing to do. I think. <laughs> you know, when you when you really expand it, you think, well, is <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to happen, is it? <laughs> What you need to do is get that person off, out, out of, the, 
off the stage, you know, off the, that, that person. You want to get, actually get, who is that? That craving for adoration or warmth or approval or, or you do the approving because you're living with it. You do the approving. Yeah. You've got lots of things you could approve of yourself for if you looked at it. You do it. You expect everybody else to do it. You know? They've got their own stuff to deal with. And then you begin to realise, yeah, you know, my fundamentally, if I don't if I allow that phenomenon, I don't create a person out of it to arise and pass, then also I see what's what's what what really generated that. Yeah. Well there's just some need for some fundamental warmth, appreciation, encouragement that I should be doing to myself. To to <clears> my <throat> heart. Pick it up, that generous toe. Then these phenomena don't have to keep coming in, disguising themselves as me and them. Watch out for that sign. It's amazing how many people get into these relationships where they're desperately trying to do what they think the other person wants. And very, very concerned to make sure they get exactly right for what the other person wants. This sounds very praiseworthy. What do you think the other person wants? And could you provide it? But the most fundamental, I mean, just look into that. You, know, you can wear yourself down to a shred trying to fulfill what you think other people want or need and feel you're doing it out of compassion. This is called idiot compassion. <laughs> because there's a rather important person you left out of that compassion, which is you. <laughs> your own heart <laughs> and you believed in your well-meaning ideas of what you think other people would need and make them happy and certainly my experience is often it's a nice idea but you miss the target and you know if a person is in their own tangle whatever that you do they find something they're not happy about the weather your fault <laughs> or you know something like that because that's the, that's the way the mind operates. It scans and it notices, you know, the tangled mind will notice something to get tangled up in. It'll notice, because tangled mind notice something to get tangled in. That's its job. The negative mind finds something to get negative about. It will find something. Whether it's the colour of the furniture or the lighting or something, if it's in a negative state, it's going to find something to get negative about. <laughs> yeah. And you running around trying to sort the world out, it will still find something to feel negative about. The best thing to do is to encourage people to really look at their own negativity, open up and, you know, handle it. (laughs) And really the most fundamental thing we want to encourage in ourselves and others and really to walk it is you maintain the firm presence and the open heart. This is what everybody needs. If you maintain firm presence, open heart, that is a refuge for everyone. 
who can who can receive it? They're going in the film. Oh, it's a one, it's a one. No, no, it can't be. This. It should be that one. This is breaking down. I can't stand it anymore. And again, he's going. Hmm. Hmm. And it sounds tough. No, there's another thing. You never said this yesterday. You told me this now. Hmm. Yeah, I felt like that myself at times. And they go, but but but. There's no. Not coming here again. It's only. Know what you mean? Life's like that, isn't it? Mm. Uh-huh. Where are we now? Mm. Just uh, open to it, but not, you know, getting caught in it. Watch out for that. You know, I mean, it's particularly with women, you know, it's very, it's astonishing how many women get into abusive relationships, feeling it's their duty to support some guy who's basically abusive. I say, well, he's a good man, really, he just beats me up once a week, but he's a good man, really. <laughs> you know, he means well, he just occasionally gets drunk, but he means well, you gods. <laughs> you know, I should do better for him, I should try to make him, I should try to understand him. No, you should tell him to get out of it. <laughs> you know, giving ourselves away, thinking this kind of, you know, this sense in which it's your job to, you know, be something for somebody else. It doesn't work. They don't, they don't see it. You know, be really aware of that and uh, the ability to say no. No, that's not. I'm not. I'm, I can't open to that. I can't open to that. I can't maintain open space for that. No. Hmm. Hmm. You also watchful for the future. You know, it's the next day or the next hour. The planning mind. He's going to sort everything out. This is another way with this bawa becoming energy comes. I'm going to get this sorted, and then tomorrow will be. And then the next day, and then next year, and then well, maybe when I retire, <laughs> you know, it just rolls on, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're seeing this really interesting, lovely little cartoon sequence that uh, it starts off in the first frame of reference. The first frame is the baby in a car. It's just much too young to meditate, you know. <laughs> And then the next one is this kids running around kicking a ball. Is it still too young to meditate? The next frame is the you know teenagers they're kind of falling in love too much in love to meditate. And then next phrase is a person at work working away too too busy to meditate. The next phrase next frame guy sitting there on a television pretty really too tired to meditate. And then it gets. A couple of old people in chairs, <laughs> too old to meditate. <laughs> the next, next box is graveyard, too late to meditate. <laughs> you know, the only time now. <laughs> but you really got to start opening up what we think meditation means, you know. So if I'm using a phrase like firm, centre and open heart, 
certainly this is it, it's something we can try to really you know look at in detail as we sit and stand and walk in this retreat center but ideally you want to get a feeling <coughs> for where that is so you can begin to refer that to your life you know? because that's something that I see is within reach you know in our daily lives and so it's never too late for that in fact it's very important that now you stop you review where's the tugging where's the pulling where's the tone am I getting panicky am I getting negative am I you know am I pushing pressure on myself or can I just stay open with this so it's a sort of non-technical colloquial but I suggest it's something that one could you know, work with I mean, look at these signs the future self other and of course the past and you get the regrets or the memories or not like the good old days yeah, when it was this that and the other yeah of course, this is lovely, famous, re- famous reference, isn't it? You know, good old days in our monastery when it's early and simple, and you know we we're much less complicated. And even better, good old days, time of the Buddha, the good old days. You know, when it was like that, it was you know to deal with internet and stuff like that. It was nice and simple and opposite. And, when I lived in those times, they were never the good old days, they were miserable. <laughs> and then we were still wondering about the good old days beforehand, or the future, when it's going to be sorted out, we'd have a nice monastery and everything be completed. It never happened. <laughs> so, you look at these things, or of course the regrets about the past, what you should have done and shouldn't have done, it should have been a wish you were, and trying to, you know, just look, that's the program. You know, whoever it was you think that was in the past, you get this impression. That's not true, you know. That's something you're projecting, remind of, of guilt or regret. And you've got to go to that place. How do you open that place? You open that place with just the frame, whoever I was, Whoever she was, whoever he was, is not sure. But what is sure is everything can benefit from compassion and goodwill. Get the tone. Let the memories be put to rest. So then, rather than logging into it, he did this five years ago. I remember he said this ten years ago and he's not done it yet. And three years ago she said that very unkind thing. I've still got it noted down. <laughs> Just, you know, who wants to live in a law court? <laughs> I don't know, just whatever it is. Gone. Yeah. So then, you know, using that sense of the container and not getting into the content and wrangling with it, but generating its tonality that we've been trying to remind ourselves of, the bright aspiration, the generosity and goodwill, you know, spaciousness and respect, you know, and just feeling the effect in your own body. You can test, you can testify to it. Feel much better when it's like that. And when my mind is like that, that's a much better way to handle all the stuff that 
we have and will continue to be dealing with or experiencing. Mm. So the content of our experience will definitely change, but the container can let experience be handled coolly and go its own way. And then we've begun to touch into the, the peace and the clarity and diligence of the Buddha. So let's uh, 